the following announcement has been paid for by Perched on the Top Rope. Larry Zabisco, wrestling's living legend, and we're perched on the top row. This here is WWF legend, the Warlord, and I'm listening to Perched on the Top Row. I like it. <laughs> this is Manny Motati, the curtain call kid, one of the guys that filmed the curtain call, and you're listening to Perched on the Top Row. For the machine gun, Carl Anderson, I'm the big LG guys. We are the world famous good brothers of the OG Bullet Club, and you are watching and or listening to Perch on the Top Rope. <laughs> hey, it's Gilbert, you're listening to Perch on the Top Rope, baby. <laughs> hey, guys, this is former WCW wrestling star Glacier and Ray Lloyd, and just wanted to make sure that you tune in to Perch on the Top Rope before blood runs cold on you. Yes, bye-bye. This is Brett Azar, Sheiky Baby, Aaron Sheik from Young Rock. And you're listening to Perch on the Top Rope, Baba. No jabronis, it's a regime. You're watching and listening to Perch on the Top Rope with Adam Bomb, the creation of devastation. Hey, this is Sonny Ono, Ultimo Dragon. And this, this is, is Perch, Ultimo Dragon, on Top Rope. Hey, this is Rob Hockman, and you're watching Perched on the Top Rope, and it's me, it's me, it's the ROV, talking nothing but wrestling. Hey, what's up, guys? This is the Outcast Shannon Moore, and you are watching Perched on the Top Rope. Hi, this is Shannon Knapp, president of Invicta Fighting Championships, and you're listening to Perched on the Top Rope. Hey, guys, Native America the Tonka. You're listening to Perched on the Top Rope with Lee Walker. Hey, this is Goldust. This is Lita. This is Impact Wrestling Moose. What's up, guys? This is Mark Hanna, the world's strongest man. Who's Survivor Beefcake here? PCO, the not human, French Canadian Frankenstein. Hey, everybody, this is Badass Billy Gunn, and you're listening to Punch on the Top Rope. And if you're not down with that, I've got two words for you. So good. Bro, this is Vince Russo, and you are listening to Perched on the Top Rope. Welcome, everyone, to Perched on the Top Rope. It's me, it's me. I am your host, former Dirt Sheet writer from Ringside News, who are a little under hot water, especially with Fightful right now. Uh, Sports Kita. Uh, the, the Sportster, the richest, you name it. I've written there, the Daily DDT. I'm your host, Lee Walker. I am joined by Perch Gaming Extraordinaire, the man who runs our YouTube, the man who operates our Twitch. You can catch him playing any WWE game and more at twitch.com, Perch on Top Rope. Plus, we will be starting polls soon on our Facebook page to decide what you guys would like to see me start playing on Sunday nights. Stay tuned. That will be coming soon on our Facebook page at Perch on the Top Rope. And the man who cannot wait for anybody when it comes to buying wrestling tickets, as I found out for Survivor Series, since it's in Boston, <laughs> you asshole. Perch correspondent, Justin Largito. I don't appreciate that intro, but yes, it is the walking wrestling encyclopedia, Justin Largito. That's truly what WWE stands for. Not Walk With Elias, not World Wrestling Entertainment. 
None of that. However, if you paid attention to Smacked Raw's Twitch page last night and watched our game of the 22nd Challenge, you might think again as to whether Justin is the walking wrestling encyclopedia as I whooped that ass for most of the game and then beat him in the game in the finals, which I was screwed over, by the way, before we continue, Justin, I got screwed over. Kyle stacked the deck against me last night. He was just a little butthurt that I may have given him some hard questions on Perch Deputy. So he was basically out to ruin my life last night. Justin, how does it feel not knowing as much as I did last night? Listen, brother, you had to super kick a chair. I had to fucking spit water at my ceiling. I don't want to hear you. (laughs) So let's start off with a little hit of marijuana. Thank you, Kevin Nash. And I'm sure you guys are like, what the hell does Kevin Nash and smoking marijuana have to do with anything? Well, uh, we've seen wrestlers get involved in the marijuana business. Jim Ross is starting a farm. Val Venus has his own uh, company and store. RVD has his own products. The Godfather has his own products. Ric Flair has his own products. And Kevin Nash tweeted out, he's getting in the marijuana business. So, uh, Big Sexy, this hits for you. RVD smokes weed? I was going to say, Godfather does? I would have never guessed RVD. That explains that smell around Godfather sometimes. (laughs) well kevin nash is getting his own strain of marijuana congratulations kevin Uh, i just wanted to do that real quick i thought it'd be neat it's supposed Uh, to be like a a creamsicle type strand too from what i've heard Uh, it's like a variation on his creamsicle uh jackknife strand that he has going on too so it's supposed to be pretty interesting he seems pretty excited about it yeah and uh yeah, smoke it if you got it, ladies and gentlemen. And if you don't partake, sorry. You. Now, is that Kush going to be sour or just too sweet? Ah, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. That was a good one. Well-placed Thank joke. You. Thank you, you. Know, you know, speaking of too sweet, we saw on Monday Night Raw quite the return. Yes, and when that yes. music, you know, when that music hits... Mm-hmm. You can't help but go crazy. And, and if fans, you don't know what we're talking about, uh, we're talking about some Rebel Heart. We're Absolutely. talking Johnny Wrestling. We're talking Johnny Gargano is back in WWE. You know what? The best part, in my opinion, about Johnny Gargano's return is we've seen too many times over the Vince McMahon-led WWE that – uh, even if it's somebody that's re-signed to a contract that's been gone for a while, they either come back one or one of two ways these days. They either come back in NXT, they work their way back up, and then they return to the main roster, or it's a segment where somebody's getting beaten down in the main event segment. Uh, you know, it's like two on one, three on one, four on one, and then the person returns and they help take out the bad guys, and then they all stand tall at the end. What I loved about this return was the fact that it was. Off, it caught everybody off guard. Nobody was expecting it. Um, obviously, Johnny Gargano hadn't been announced that he was coming back, and they they had him come out in return right after coming back from a commercial break. So nobody expected it because right after commercial breaks are usually promo segments. So I think the fact that everybody was just kind of sitting there doing their own thing, waiting for everything to start back up, and then all of a sudden, Rebel Heart plays. They lost their freaking minds, dude. And it was like, it was it was a cool moment in wrestling. Yeah, it was 
something we did not expect. You know, there had been rumors that, you know, WWE had certain people they were going after. Gargano was rumored to be one of them, but like Justin, you just seen him at a signing for crying out loud. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, when was it back in April? Cause it was the same day as impact rebellion. Uh, I met Johnny Gargano at the wrestling classic in Connecticut. And, you know, he's done quite a few appearances since then he's done the major pod live show a few months ago, back in June. And he's been to wrestling universe, you know, he's been all over the place. He actually had a signing scheduled for Pandora's box in November, which is in New Jersey, but I don't know if that's going to still happen. Who knows at this point, but uh, this was a fucking, you know, rare surprise, man. We talked about Dakota Kai coming back at SummerSlam and how just under wraps it was the whole time and nothing leaked, nothing got out. This was kind of the same way, even though we didn't know, obviously they had interest in bringing Johnny Gargano back to the company. And once Triple H took over, you kind of figured, okay, Johnny Gargano is on his way back to WWE. We can take the thoughts of Gargano going to an AEW or an Impact or a Ring of Honor at completely out of the equation. But I'm glad to see him back because it fucking caught me off guard when I heard Rebel Heart because I was in the other room and I just, am I fucking hearing that right? <laughs> and I, I come back in, I look at the TV, there's fucking Johnny Gargano on my screen, man. It's it's crazy, but uh, I'm... I'm very hopeful, especially with Triple H in charge now. He knows how great Johnny Gargano is, and he's going to use him as such. So, you know, two best things, of luck Johnny Gargano. Two things to go along with that, too, is that, one, I think it was absolutely hilarious that Triple H brought Johnny Gargano back the week that AEW was in Cleveland, of all places. Oh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> And, and the other thing I was thinking of, too, and somebody posted this on Facebook this week, too, is that now we have the possibility of getting the tag team match that I always wanted to see, and that's DIY versus the Usos. Yes. We got to let storylines play out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's bound to happen. There's no way there's not going to be a DIY reunion at some point, though, on the main yeah, roster. They're on the same brand. We got to have DIY at some point. So what I'm hoping there is that like Ms. It's got to start with the Ms. Gargano feud with the Ms. Right? Like, just just hear me out. Gargano feuds with the Ms. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen Gargano and Ciampa be the best of friends. We've seen them be the worst of enemies. But have Gargano cut a promo on him being like, you know, this is not what you were about. This is what you said you would stay in NXT for if WWE did this to you, referring to his current storyline with The Miz. Mm-hmm. You know, not really being taken serious, but like we've seen his work in NXT, phenomenal. We've seen his dark stuff. And that kind of like starts to put a, a, a spin tail on things. Mm-hmm. So Miz is beating up on Gargano, Gargano beating up on him. And then uh, for whatever reason, he needs Ciampa's help. And he's just like, you know what? Gargano's right. That's how you bring them back together. Well, and it it works out perfectly with what both are doing right now, too. Because if you remember, um, now that Gargano's 
clearly feuding with Theory. Theory and The Miz also have a former relationship with each other. So yeah. it's, it's an easy way to, to spin this. Like you said, Lee, we, you know, we start seeing maybe in the next couple of weeks or in the next couple of months, we start seeing The Miz making Ciampa do like more of his dirty work, more of his bidding, more of his like medial tasks. And then maybe we get like a, a backstage promo where Gargano looks at Ciampa and he's like, man, well, like, what are you doing? Like what you said, like, this is what you said you would hate. You would never become this blah, blah, blah. Ciampa starts thinking and then we get a segment while uh, Gargano and Theory are still feuding and then The Miz comes out and they basically lay the beat down on and Ciampa's just like standing in the corner and Gargano clears the ring of one of the two of them and either Theory or Miz are left right in the middle of the ring and then they just hit the knee and the super kick and DIYs back together, baby. I like that too. I mean, it, it's got to it's gotta involve The Miz. I feel like... Oh, yeah. you know, come back together and you know having just watching smackdown recently with the viking raiders and the new day you need a few more tag teams in the mix you know for, for sure. you know otherwise you've had the usos literally run through every tag team you know the viking raiders are going to bound to be next yeah the, you know but right. you, you're going to need another tag team in there you're going to need a few of them well, the, the pieces are definitely in place. If if Hunter decides to go that direction, it's not it's not a hard way to play things out. He doesn't have to do much to do. It. Yeah, and you know, Justin brought up a really good point. You know, with Gargano and like even Dakota Kai at SummerSlam not being announced or us not knowing about them. You know, you had Gargano, Bailey's return, Io Sky, as we know as Io Shirai. Dakota Kai being re-signed to the company when, you know, she was recently released. We've had other names, but some other names were, you know, kind of spoiled. But, like, the exciting part for me in these returns is the kayfabe aspect. You couldn't go on Fightful, Sports, Kita, Ringside News, Wrestling Inc. You couldn't go on any wrestling website and find these returns coming. Or, you know, that they knew that these people were returning. I think that's a very smart thing to do. That's why, like, I'm a huge fan of MJF. He's always in character. He's just constantly kayfabe in all of it. Like, he's, like, not fucking around. I like that with the character of MJF. Right. You know, so, like, I would like to see more of this. Because you know who else wasn't spoiled? Scarlet and Karrion Cross. Mm -hmm. You know, oh. I, I would love to see more returns. I mean, there was there was talks earlier in that day that like there was thoughts of maybe bringing them back, but that didn't even that didn't even show up until earlier in the day before they actually returned. And it wasn't even like a hey, we've signed them. It was like they're thinking about like signing them. There have been feelers put out, and then they showed up that night. Oh yeah, yeah I, I first saw the reports when fucking SmackDown went on the air that night. I didn't expect to see them in the fucking main event and in the show. Yeah, you know, like I'd seen the the readings and the reports of, you know, those that WWE or, you know, Triple H had wanted to bring back. But that doesn't necessarily, right. you know, get your hopes up. Right, because that means you don't even know that they've actually been signed yet. Perfect example right now, they keep saying that um, 
there have been talks to get Bray Wyatt to come back and, and this and that, and they've been in touch with Wyatt, but like in that case too, they're keeping it aside from that dead silent right now. We don't know what's going on, whether he's actually been reached out to or not. And the cool thing about that is it's, it's putting, um, uh, it's putting like almost like a mystery factor back into WWE that I think we saw peak during the ruthless aggression era uh, towards the end of it. There was a lot of that going on when, booking in my opinion was at its highest and i all i've got to say is that um a triple h led wwe is off to a hot start and i i think it's starting to become cool to be a wwe fan again yeah i i totally agree and you know another one was was hit road no one expected them after you know kind of the way that they were released bro i popped hard for them returning so you know why so a lot of these returns were were not announced, not expected, not known ahead of time, no spoilers, because, I mean, spoiler-free is the way to be. Unless you go to facebook.com slash person on the top rope where next week's SmackDown spoilers are listed, you are welcome. You don't have to look at them if you don't want to, but just saying, they're there. You know, Gargano returning to Raw was awesome. But those fans at Raw got something special that uh, us sitting at home did not get. Alex, I'll let you take this because it's your favorite wrestler. Oh, are we talking about the announcement that the Rated R Superstar made after Raw went off the air this past week? Uh, We are. We are, in fact. So, uh, you know, Edge and Damian Priest had, honestly, in my opinion, quite possibly one of the best matches on WWE television this year. Uh, on Monday Night Raw, we saw Edge whip out an insane Canadian Destroyer that they actually referenced as the Canadian Destroyer on WWE television, probably because Petey Williams now works for the company. That's um, uh, Pete Williams, my bad. Mr. Mr. Pete. Um, but after Raw went off the air, Edge cut a promo to the Toronto crowd saying that, you know, it was, it was great to be able to wrestle in front of them again on Monday night raw and that, you know, how much he loves his hometown. He referenced his Sexton Hardcastle former name. Uh, and he said that in a perfect world, because WWE comes back to Toronto, like once a year around August time, like they did this year, that in a perfect world next year, he comes back. He wrestles in front of them, and that's the night that they all say goodbye, leading everybody to now speculate that Edge is basically at the beginning of the end of his career, going out on his terms like he said he wanted to last time, and that he will most likely retire at the end of next summer. Um, I am sad because obviously Edge is my favorite wrestler ever, but I also feel that we were blessed because this man originally should never have been able to wrestle again. And Lee, you were there in person with me at the 2020 Royal Rumble when we watched Edge return and the pop that I gave was probably deafening to you who was sitting right next to me. I was screaming right there, right where that belt is. Um, And dude, I was just, I was out of my mind. My favorite wrestler ever was back. I get to see him again. And now I think we're starting to come to the end of his career, but that leads us into this question, boys, who do you think 
in a perfect world in your own perfect fantasy booking is Edge's last opponent? John Cena. Randy Orton. I also am going to go with John Cena. Um, the only reason that I'm going with John Cena, and this isn't a slight on you, Lee, is just we've since Edge has been back, we've seen the Orton uh, rivalry. We've seen the Orton storyline. So I think that that would almost be a disservice to Edge. Um, you know, not nothing against Orton, obviously. But if Edge is going out, he's probably going to want to face some either opponents that he hasn't faced in a long time or some fresh faces just, you know, to to get some new stuff done before he leaves. And I think the only thing that makes sense is for Edge and Cena to face each other, because quite honestly, for all we know, that could end up being John Cena's last match, too. The man doesn't wrestle that much anymore. And for all we know, that could be the match that hangs up Cena's career as well, which I think if it were to go that way, I think that would be symbolic for both of them. Well, I personally don't see Cena wrestling anytime soon or possibly ever again, no matter no, what he's 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 going to compete at WrestleMania next year against Fury, and then he'll have some kind of program in the summer. But, you know, if I'm Edge, I'm retiring against somebody who's a good friend. Right. I'm retiring against somebody who's not only a good friend, but someone who's in the company. You know, because otherwise, if I could say outside the company, I'd, I'd probably pick that it would be Christian all day long and it would be both their retirement matches type right. deal. Well, that's another thing. Uh, Christian did an interview this week, too, saying he, you know, he's closer to the end of the tunnel than we know, at least, you know. So that's why I, I don't think. You know, I don't know. I just I see it as. You want to retire against those who you want to wrestle, like, and those who you are your friends. You know, Ric Flair's retirement match, obvious reasons he picked who he picked. Right. His son in law, uh, a former protege of his in TNA, and a good friend in Jeff Jarrett. You know, Ric Flair's last match, in my opinion, was perfect for who he chose outside of anybody that would have been in WWE. Because we all know if Ric Flair had been allowed to retire again in WWE, he would have faced Randy Orton. Yeah. So, I mean, I I just see it as Randy's probably his longest friend there. Still active, yada, yada. That's the only reason why I'm saying Randy. I I think it'd be the only one who's in WWE that would have it be some sort of, you know, justice or, you know, sort of meeting through the storytelling that they can do. Right. I can... I can respect that too, for sure. Now, I want to piggyback off of that, though. If we were to pick somebody for Edge's last match that is not, um, I want to say like a legend or a part-timer or someone that he's faced, you know, like someone newer. If it's not someone like Orton or Cena, then who do you guys think he faces if he chooses one of the younger guys? Damian Priest. He, he, I, I think he sees something in him, and I think they're supposed to – or whatever, you know, Damian Priest has that dark character, which was way better in Ring of Honor, by the way. I'm just saying. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go with Damian. Okay. Justin? I got a few names going for my head. You know, obviously, you're going to get the Finn Balor match at some point. Yep. I think Theory and Edge would have a very good match. 
you know, if Edge wants to put over the next young star in their that company's eyes, I feel like we're going to get possibly Edge and Riddle at some point within the next year. I was going to say think- he called out he called out Riddle specifically the night exactly. after he returned from the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Not called him out in like a disrespectful way, but when he was naming talent that he wanted to face, Riddle was like one of the first people that he mentioned. Yeah, he definitely name dropped him. Uh, not a younger talent. I could see Lashley and Edge at some point. Spear versus Spear, Ooh, since they love doing that. That could be a good match too. Uh, yeah. My my personal opinion, if he's gonna pick one of the, I guess I'll call him a younger star because he's a younger star in the terms of how long he's been in WWE ish. Um, if I was gonna pick someone that's not an Orton or a Cena to face Edge in his last match, I gotta pick KO Kevin Owens. Yeah. They had that uh, house show match at Madison Square Garden mm-hmm. back in December, but and, nothing realized. Uh, right, and and the fact that if Edge is retiring in Canada, fellow Canadian. Yeah. Now, the other thing I would like to talk about, and then I'll kind of give it up on this whole Edge thing, is the one thing I would like to see as Edge comes towards the end of his career, I want to see them give him somewhat of a farewell tour against people that he wanted to face similar to what they did to Kurt Angle at the end of his career, obviously edge would be able to do it a little more justice. Cause he's a little more mobile in the ring than Kurt angle was at the end of his career. Uh, but I would love to see them allow him to p- compete on both raw and SmackDown for the couple weeks leading up to when he's planning on retiring and give us some of the matches that everybody else wants to see. I know a lot of people want to see edge versus Johnny Gargano edge versus Ciampa, Kevin Owens. Like we had said, riddle. I think you could just put on some fantastic television matches with edge if that is what he is planning on doing. And, you know, one more thing, another name that just popped into my head, you know, I could see it as kind of a full circle moment. I'm sure they probably faced each other at some point before edge and Sheamus. Cause I mean, think about it. If edge doesn't unintentionally take that bump off a bike, riding down a mountain on the Celtic warrior workouts on YouTube, who knows if we even get this run at all. You know, right. Right. And also um, they could definitely tie that in storyline wise, too, because there's some unfinished business from between the two of them from Edge's first run, because towards the end, it was about a year. Yeah. A year before Edge retired the first time, the lead up to WrestleMania 26, when Edge won the Royal Rumble, they actually um, it was during that time of when Edge had to pick which champion he was going after, whether it was going to be um, the Undertaker or ends up later on being Chris Jericho after Chris Jericho wins the title in the elimination chamber um, or Seamus and on an episode of raw before he had made his actual decision, edge speared the shit out of Seamus and they never followed up on that. So they could easily roll some of that footage back because I know triple H is big on rolling footage back during uh, feuds, like from years prior on like Vince would. So they could definitely tie in some old bad blood between him and Seamus too. Definitely. And also Seamus deserves better. I know he's, he's doing like this, the storyline with Gunther going into Clash of the Castle is actually like pretty interesting, but they have not done Seamus justice the way that they should for years now. And the man deserves that too. Oh, bro. We're, we'll talk about Clash of the Castle as it gets closer to the actual show, but I just want to say Gunther and Seamus are going to fucking kill each other in Cardiff, Wales next week. That's the match I can't wait for the most. And that episode of WWE Clash at the Castle predictions will be coming out that Friday. Anywhere and everywhere podcasts can be found. 
It's just perched on the top rope. We love a good shameless plug. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You. You're welcome. Now, I have to agree with the whole Seamus stuff, man. Like, that man has not been given justice at all. Like, I love the bar. I thought him and Cesaro as a tag team were phenomenal doing that. But since then, it's just been a lackluster, in my opinion. But uh, I hope this brings Sheamus back in, into a decent spotlight. And I would I would actually like to see him win this match, by the way. Uh, so, yeah. Let's go, Sheamus. Yeah, but yeah. He's not fucking Intercontinental title. It's the one title he needs. But right, know, and he's he's another guy who's uh, sorry to interrupt you, Lee. He's another guy too that he's not. He, Sheamus is closer to the end of his career than the beginning of his career. Give him the one damn title he needs to become a Grand Slam champion, for God's sakes. Exactly, and I, I think that's. We'll talk more about that next week. Absolutely. But you know, speaking of Sheamus, you know he's got his partner, the Neckbreaker, and Butch. You know, so Butch we know is. The bruiser weight, Pete Dunn. So Butch wrestles in a completely different attire. And Justin, uh, you know more about this as to what has been seen. Spoiler freeze, the way to be. Take it away, Justin. Absolutely. So SmackDown this past week was actually a double taping, obviously, because the talent is going to be traveling to the UK Friday into Saturday. So, you know, to avoid any time constraints, any issues on the way there, they taped SmackDown for the night before Clash at the Castle. But there is a match with Butch and Ludwig Kaiser. Now, we've seen Butch over the last few months since a little before WrestleMania time. I have made it very clear I hate the fucking gimmick. Why the fuck is he wearing what he's wearing? Why why the fuck is his name Butch? Why does he fucking get mad all the time? I... Sorry. The getting mad thing though works though, because that he he was he was a quite angry boy before that too. Okay, but still. Anyway. Butch had a bit of a new look in this match. Or should I say a very familiar look? Because other than the name, he was Pete Dunn. Now, excuse me one moment. Just, just give, give me one second, please. Thank you. Yes, fuck yes. I'm back. Sorry about that. Well done, well done, sir. <laughs> oh Lord, save that one for the blooper reel. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> Now, nah, for real, though, uh, this could not happen at a better time. I-, I wouldn't even mind if Butch is reverting back to the Pete Dunn character. I don't even mind if he still stays in the stable. I like the group of the three of them. Um, even if they can do kind of what the New Day did and stay together and elevate each other at the same time, like give Sheamus a run with the Intercontinental title, send Pete Dunn and Ridge Holland after the tag titles at some point, uh, you know, maybe after they split back up or something like that. Like you could still have this stable work without Pete Dunn having to be this stupid ass butch character. And I think Triple H sees that too. And I think that's why he's not breaking them up. 
But the fact that he wrestled in his Pete Dunn attire just proves to me that we're in the process of seeing him revert back to that character. And that character is a future world champion. 100%. All hail the fucking King of Kings. I want to know what, like, Triple H's look on his face. You know, I, I know he watches the product, but I'm going to assume in this circumstance he doesn't. He looks at the roster sheet and sees the name Butch. And he goes, who the hell is Butch? And someone's got to be like, oh, that's, that's, that's Pete. He goes, what the hell did he do to my people? <laughs> no, that's the bruiser way. Who the hell is Butch? Yeah, no, that's Butch now. He just scribbles down on a piece of paper. He goes, yeah, no, I'm changing that. Yeah, that's on a, that, obviously that was like a top priority to start working on. You know, I'm, I'm excited for that. I Justin in the group chat when it happened, I believe the first words were "What the fuck, Look, dude!" I I have never gotten so mad watching fucking SmackDown in a long time when that happened. Like I literally wanted to punch a hole in my fucking wall. No joke. Butch, fuck or you. Bring back Pete. Let's see it. Make it happen. We should just get everybody. We should start a, a trend on Twitter and just get everybody to start bringing signs to SmackDown that just says "Bring Back Pete." Hashtag Bring Back Pete. The bring Pete section. Pete. The Pete section. The Bruiserweight. The Bruiserweight. The Bruiserweight balcony. Oh there yeah, I like it. it. I like it. Now let's transition, guys, from WWE to the guys that think they can compete with WWE AEW. We got some uh we got some drama over here. And guess what that means? We are in the heat magnet section. Ooh. So, let's uh let's start off with our first heat magnets, shall we? Let's Eddie Kingston and Sammy Guevara. Now, we find out that a uh, little off script stuff happens or a script was not handed type deal. Mm-hmm. Sammy was trying to plan stuff out. Seemingly, it seems like Eddie just didn't want to do the same. Sammy said, hey, don't say this or don't touch on this. But Eddie did. So Sammy retaliated with some fat shaming. Apparently something Eddie does not like. Now, uh, where it gets interesting is in the back after the segment happens on TV. They go back and forth and Eddie like pushes Sammy by the face. Things escalate. Eddie Kingston is currently suspended for the face push. Sammy then got on Twitter and said some things. And then, you know, there had to be an apology as to leave Eddie alone with the fat shaming. And then Eddie had to write some shit too. Seemingly like, cause we have to have people apologize on social media you know, so that, you know, we as fans all know, apparently I would have just, you know, you don't need to do that. Just sit them in a room. That's why they have an HR team. But anyway, 
don't go into business for yourself and this shit won't happen. Yeah, uh, I'm, I want to touch on that, Lee, because there seems to be a double standard in how certain talent are treated in AEW because, for example, okay, Eddie Kingston and Sammy Guevara, you said they got into an altercation after AEW uh, Dynamite, and there was like a pie face to the face from Eddie to Sammy. Eddie gets suspended over something little like that. But you've got guys that will go on social media, top guys that have influence over these younger guys, not personally, but they have influence over the fans that could, you know, decide whether or not they want to back these guys. You've got guys like Chris Jericho. You've got guys like CM Punk uh, that have gone on social media. They've broken script on air and they have buried Eddie Kingston and just unmercifully when this guy should be someone that we should be trying to protect so he can move up the card because he's got the fan base following. You've got a situation like that where neither one of them got in trouble because obviously they're top draws. You've got a situation. I don't know if you guys remember where um, WWE wrestlers and AEW wrestlers were in the same city and they were staying in the same hotel and Chris Jericho and MVP almost got in a fight in the middle of the lobby And there was no repercussions for Chris Jericho, who was apparently the aggressor of the situation. And it's just, it's a double standard because you got someone like Eddie Kingston who stands up for himself finally, and you suspend the guy over, over something as small as a pie face, dude, if this was WWE, they would have gotten a slap on the wrist and they would have walked away. Chris Jericho and Brock Lesnar almost got into a brawl backstage at SummerSlam after Brock Lesnar bloodied Randy Orton in the middle of the ring and nobody got in trouble. They probably got talked to or calmed down, and then that was the end of it. You're going to suspend somebody over a pie face, really? Yeah, look, before I get into any of this, I just got to say, when the fuck did the AEW locker room get so fucking toxic? Literally in a span of one week, this person's giving a receipt to this guy in a promo. This person's fucking pie-facing someone in the back over a promo. This person's hiding in the back room, uh, in the, not the back room, the bathroom, for it because they broke somebody's nose. When the fuck does does all this happen? I, I said this. I said this when we were on bot shots and chair shots with the Will Gray. Um, I said this then, and I'm still agreeing to it. About a week or so later, AEW right now feels like how the tension was in the locker room towards the end of WCW, in my opinion. I don't think I, that it's a sinking ship. Which no, was, no, I just think the back the 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 backstage tension is similar. But there's a there's an issue when you allow talents to have so much creative control over what they're doing and who their character is and everything. You know, you have people who don't want to lose to this person, don't want to wrestle this person. I mean, we've seen it in WWE, but WWE it seems like it's nowhere near as bad as what we're hearing out of AEW. You know, there's clearly an HR issue in the company and an issue with uh, talent relations as to what's going on with the inner works of AEW. You know, you wouldn't, when these things happen, there's always repercussions, whether we find out about it as fans through dirt sheets or this or that, or whether it's repercussions that we just don't find out about. Like, um, 
say finding somebody you want to be a more safer worker okay well if you you know you break somebody's nose it's a fine but then again you know accidents do happen and because accidents happen you shouldn't be hiding in a bathroom of fear over that person's faction wanting to in real life kick your ass uh, and again that's you know alex i'm assuming the person is thunder rosa because thunder rosa broke jamie Hayter's nose that we mm -hmm. saw on tv a few weeks ago yep. so yep. Uh, but it's also not the first time there's been issues with thunder rosa either you know whether it's been her fault or not it's been made aware that in real life, Dr. Britt Baker doesn't like her, so I would assume it was Dr. Britt Baker was one of the ones looking for her. You know, you also have her and Ivelisse with their issues, but Ivelisse was sandbagging Thunder Rosa. And then there's even been speculation that this injury with Thunder Rosa is a kayfabe because of all the issues that are currently going on with her with all the drama. And I'm going to bring up another person before I get into that, because I, I want to say this. Eddie Kingston, you are a heat magnet. Sammy Guevara, you are a heat magnet. Thunder Rosa, you are a heat magnet. The last one I want to touch up on is something rather interesting something nobody expected on aew dynamite especially considering this match was not supposed to happen on aew dynamite the aew interim champion john moxley taking on the aew champion cm punk guys what the actual fuck It was definitely Anybody unexpected. Have... Like, three minutes, squash match. So I've, then... got, I've got some theories. Uh, if this if this leads to a CM a full blown CM Punk heel turn, I'm I'm okay with it because they could take that and they could run with it and Punk could do some justice to that storyline. If they are not turning him heel, I think that was the dumbest booking decision that they have ever made and it will go down as the dumbest booking decision they make in the history of that company. Well, look, I, I feel like it definitely has to be leading to CM Punk turning heel with the way you're looking at everything and the way everything went down and even Punk's reaction after the match. You know, by the sound of it, it's still going to be Punk and Moxley for the title at All Out. So it makes it even weirder that they even did this on Dynamite this past week. And, you know, are they really going to have CM Punk lose in Chicago? I don't know. I don't, I, I've, you know, maybe they won't boo Moxley out of the building because it's Moxley, but you never know at this point. And you, you got to imagine MJF's on his way back and he's going to be facing either one of them for the title. So it's a very weird situation right now with these turns everyone's taken. Yeah, and can we just talk about how shitty the build to All Out has been this year? Like, most of the matches for this pay-per-view, this is supposed to be their biggest pay-per-view of the year, and 
most of the matches weren't announced until like this past week and all out is next week. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm expecting perched on the top rope will be part of the all out media call with Tony Khan. So fans be looking for that as we always include that in our prediction show. I'm, I, I still don't know what to say about this whole thing, especially because like a lot of fans had posted photos and everything that it was the right foot that was injured, but after he was like grabbing his left foot. So I watched that footage though, and it can be argued if they explain it the right way that Punk did injure his the correct foot doing that. Because if you pay attention to the video, yes, he kicked with the one foot, but the injured foot that was still on the ground, he twisted it when he kicked him. I, I watched the video back like three or four times, and he did twist his ankle doing that. So it's possible that that's how they write it off, but I still think it was a dumb decision. I think if you were going to have him play the injury angle with his actual injured foot, you should have had him attempt the kick with the foot. Yeah. It just doesn't, it doesn't look good. Yeah. And, and there's been nothing said about it from AEW at all. So I'm expecting something from on AEW Dynamite Wednesday that we're going to hear something. There's, there's gotta be. And I, I said this to Justin before we went on the air. I'm, I'm almost expecting to see that, uh, that all is all elite logo show up on Twitter soon. And I'm almost expecting it to have Vince McMahon on the front of it, because let's be honest, since triple H took over WWE watching AEW is almost like Vince has been booking it. it yeah, just, you're not wrong. It's, it's hard. It's hard to watch right now, man. And they can bounce back. WWE is in the process of it now. It's just, it's very hard to watch AEW right now. Well, oh, kick, kick me out of my own company. I'll just buy another one. Damn it. I mean, the other thing, too, with that is is the fact that Tony did relieve some duties to other people in the company. So we're, now we're not just seeing it be, oh, Tony Khan, Tony Khan, Tony Khan. You know, now there are other people involved. So I think that can be playing a part of it. I mean, Pat Buck has a new position with the company, but... <laughs> we watched the world's greatest WrestleMania match. Can he really be that great? Oof. Like, no offense, but uh, John Cena's theme music sounds pretty good for you right now. Your time is up. My time is now. Your time is like, dude. If that's what it could be. It could be the effect of others. Again, it could also be like, as, as I said, the company started with four founders uh, of the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, and Cody Rhodes. Cody left. Cody, you know, Kenny not being around, you know, he, you know, injury put a lot of focus on the AEW video game that's going to be coming out soon. That leaves the Young Bucks. But how much are they really doing? Right. Because and Cody, Cody was heavily involved with creative when he was there too. So you've got to imagine that there was an adjustment period after he left. Yeah. And I think that's the effect that we're seeing. 
we're seeing the effect of, you know, what it took one man to do of a Cody Rhodes is now taking four or five, but it's not right. Not, you know, not as good as it used to be. I mean, Justin, we talked about this a couple shows ago. Look at, look at the AEW rampage ratings. Yeah. Rampage has just become like literally a nothing show over the last few months. It's the WCW thunder of AEW. You know, how many interviews have we heard from WCW talents like Kevin Nash or, you know, Hulk Hogan sitting there saying, yeah, we didn't want to go work on that show. And that's why you saw like a lot of the B team of NWO, like Horace Hogan, the disciple, Stevie Ray, Disco Inferno. Every once in a while, Scott Hall popped up. But. You know, if you have guys that don't want to be on the show, which I'm, I'm starting to kind of get that vibe a little bit. And granted, you can use the show for the, you know, your younger talent to build up or like help build up storylines to help others on Dynamite. Like we saw Sonny Kiss just join with uh, Parker and uh, Davari. You know, that group can be a group, you know, have them be a steady faction on Rampage, you know, so that they can, you know, get ready for more stuff on Dynamite. Hook, they did a great job with on there, but we don't see Hook too often on either Dynamite or Rampage, to be honest with you. You got a lot of talent. I mean, you have 14 or 15 matches on AEW Dark and Dark Elevation every week. There's there's no reason to not have some of these main storylines appear on AEW Rampage. Yeah, I, I gotta agree. And it's sad too, just to see the booking from like earlier this year to now. I remember how hyped up the three of us were earlier this year when, you know, like the or in last year and this year when like the likes of Malachi Black and all of those guys showed up and, you know, uh, we were in the middle of the feud with MJF and Chris Jericho and everything was going great. And it, like you said, Lee, it seems like the effect of Cody Rhodes leaving kind of sent, you know, it, it said that there was good rapport in the locker room backstage with Cody leaving and people, you know, some people were kind of ready for him to go, but it, it almost seems like it's taken the opposite turn with him leaving it's just i don't know something's missing like obviously the matches are still good the matches are always going to be good they've just got to do some heavy work on their storytelling because it's abysmal yeah like the show the show isn't terrible it's just there's definitely something that's been missing recently and i'm not sure exactly what that is well as the oldest wrestling fan here i'll i'll share my I don't want to say wisdom, but I'll share how, how I see it. I think storytelling is, is just as important as what goes on in the ring. And WWE, or as I know it as WWF, has always felt the same about that. It's not just about what happens in the ring. It's what happens outside of the ring. AEW is not doing that well with that. Like they have just, and as much as we, you know, you guys might argue with me, 
they haven't done that well with it pretty much since day one. If you want my honest opinion on what I think AEW is, and I like AEW, by the way, I really do. Uh, they allow us on press releases and media calls, and uh, we've even done some interviews. You know, we've had Sunny Kiss. I've talked with Thunder Rosa, you know, so I view it as an indie company with money. And I know that sounds bad. And we have homegrown indie companies that we like, but they don't have storytelling. They don't have right. storytelling because they don't need storytelling. And when you don't need storytelling, it's not the end of the world to them. Right. But when you're on TV every week, when you're on TV every week, you need the storytelling. Right. They don't appear, they don't appease to what I call the casual wrestling fan. Right. It's, it's one genre of wrestling fans they appease to, you know, even though there is, you know, various forms of wrestling and this and that on, on the show. But the lack of storytelling is like where WWE makes up mm -hmm. to their fans. AEW, we're not getting that. And I think that ties in hand in hand with the Cody Rhodes situation that I was talking about. Because if you notice when Cody Rhodes was with AEW, if there was one person that always made sure that their, st their storytelling was on point and could tell a story, it was Cody Rhodes. It was... It was also like another guy like Chris Jericho. It's a lot of those guys that have done time in WWE, so they know what needs to be done to apply that factor to the show. And like I had said earlier this year, it almost looked like AEW was starting to step up a little bit in the storytelling situation. You know, um, before Cody Rhodes left, the, the Chris Jericho MJF storyline, they were getting there, but then something happened and they just stopped. Like they were finally starting to get it. And then it just stopped. I will agree with you, Lee. Their storytelling has been their biggest issue since day one because it almost seems like when you go into a show, it's just here's the lineup, here's what we're going to do. We might sprinkle a little bit of promo into it, but it's majority just here's the matches, here's what's going to happen, matches happen, show is over. And this is almost indicative to what the opposite of what we were complaining about about a year ago with WWE when we said we were all burnt out because all they were doing was promos. There wasn't any wrestling. It was just people cutting promos on each other that weren't that great because they were so scripted. But now we have the opposite problem with AEW where they're just, it's match after match after match. And yes, we're, we're excited for the matches while they're happening, but then you don't have time to reflect on what the, um, what the consequences of that match are because you don't get any follow-up on it. You need follow-up in the form of a promo from a match to stay, um, to, you know, stay interested in that program that's going on. And so, like I said, we're having that opposite problem with AEW right now where, yes, I love all the matches that they put on. The trios tag match tournament has been great so far. And I think the only reason that that is for me more interesting than the rest of the show is because they're also sprinkling the house of black Miro storyline that actually does have some storytelling to it in the background of that tournament. But the AEW as a whole needs to step it up when it comes to storytelling, or they're going to start losing more fans. Okay. Real quick, just a few things I want to chime in. 
first, you mentioned the main event on, on Dynamite, Alex. First off, great fucking match between Def Triangle, Will Ospreay, and Aussie Open. Uh, I just want to point that out. I just want to give a fucking mention to that because that was fucking awesome. Right. Uh, two, the fucking storytelling. Yes, there's an aspect that needs to be improved in AEW. Look, I agree blood can elevate a match, especially if it's a big feud. It really takes away from it when there's three fucking matches on Dynamite where somebody's bloodied up. Okay? John Moxley, I swear to God, before last Wednesday, I can't remember the last time I saw a John Moxley match where he wasn't dripping blood the whole time. Yep. You know, <laughs> and another one more thing, they got to slow the fuck down some weeks because, you know, it's literally from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern time on TBS fucking dynamite. Literally, it's just a rapid fire. Boom, 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 boom. They got to slow the fuck down and let shit breathe sometimes. Okay. Excalibur is going to fucking pass out at the commentary table one day going down <laughs> the card for Rampage Dynamite the next week. Just let shit breathe. Let them let the finish to the match breathe. Go into a promo. Let it be effective. Just slow the fuck down sometimes. That's Great. all. And and to go off of that too, uh, it was actually said during that whole meeting that they had had this past week. You know where Tony Khan had said some things. Um, Kenny Omega had said some things. It was also noted that Billy Gunn had also made some comments towards the talent where he is trying to also get them to slow down in the ring a little bit, because yes, I do like the fast aspect of, you know, when you have matches with like death triangle or someone like Will Ospreay or Kenny Omega, you know, these guys that work high paced matches that is entertaining. But if that's what the whole match is, you get numb to it after a little bit um, because, you know, you're used to seeing it take a small and I say small page from a Vince McMahon-led WWE and throw in just a couple of moves, just a couple in the match where they slow the pace down a little bit. A couple headlocks, a couple submission moves, something like that. It doesn't have to be the whole match because obviously in a former Vince McMahon-led WWE, we saw too much of that. But just a couple of times throughout these matches, slow it down a little bit because that what, that's what gets the fans to go back down a little bit to that point where they do the huge awesome moves and they pop. And that's how you keep the fans invested in the match. They need to slow down in that aspect. They need to slow down and tell some stories. And they need to let, like you said, they need to let Excalibur slow down because God forbid that man's going to have a stroke trying to go down the card one of these days. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, speaking of Billy Gunn, ladies and gentlemen, You'll be able to catch an interview with Billy Gunn at youtube.com slash Perch on the Top Rope and Apple Podcast Perch on the Top Rope. Or I should say, I should refer to him as Coach Billy because he's technically a coach in AEW. So I'll call him Coach Billy. We'll call him Coach. Coach Billy Gunn. Coach ass. Father ass. Ass coach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Very nice. Very nice. Very evil. Evil ass. Uh, so, the last thing I want to touch on, we got two heat magnets. I always go for three for a complete strikeout, like it's baseball. AW's been asked to tone it down. Again, going off of what you guys just said about needing to slow down in the blood and this and that. Uh, apparently the language and the blood is too much again as they've been at you know discovery plus warner brothers 
uh, Turner Media have now asked for it all to be toned down. Now, Discovery Plus, I can totally understand if the deal is going to go through with them, you know, AEW getting on the app. Uh, you know, we've we've seen this happen before. No, a great prime example is Max Max Caster had to tone his raps down for being too offensive. So this, you know, to me would go hand in hand that if you are a fan of the WWF attitude era and expect it coming back, you're sensitive on some things, other things you're not sensitive on. And in today's world of cancel culture, I don't think the language is bad at all, but you watch WWE, you don't get the same effect in, in the offensiveness and the language that you do in AEW. And it, it's only a few curse words or, you know, a few phrases on how things are worded, I would say. But I'm not offended by the language. And if you were a Jim Cornette fan, you wouldn't be offended by the language either if you actually watched the damn product. Right. So from what I've heard on that situation is that the original report was that they both Discovery and Warner Bros. Media wanted AEW to calm the, you know, the, the language and the blood and the violence down. Um, it has been since reported that Warner Brothers, it's not so much Warner Brothers, because Warner Brothers is pretty uh, happy with what AEW has brought into their network ratings wise. But it is more so on the discovery side, which what you said, Lee, that makes sense, especially if you're going to try and secure a, a, a deal to have them stream on their app, because the discovery app is also watched by a lot of kids. There's like there's a lot of stuff on there that both adults and children watch. So I can understand discovery wanting them to tone it down a little bit so that way they don't probably basically get sued. <laughs> But um, it, do, it does appear that Warner Brothers is not too upset. The only thing I heard from them that they were not happy with was the, um, the MJF promo because they didn't know that he was going to start throwing F-bombs at the end of the promo on live television, which that, that one's completely understandable. Yeah, and that's like the other thing that like, I'm not offended by the language, but I'm also not you know, this company that puts this product on their television, you know, channel and stuff like that. Uh, the other thing is too, like I said, WWE doesn't use that language. They're PG because, you know, most of their business is actually kids. Now, if you listen to Justin and I Wednesdays on Perched on the Top Shelf, we would tell you that the action figures are not just for kids. <laughs> As you can see, well, you can't see it's a podcast, but behind us, uh, we are action figure crazy, but if you can subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash perched on the top rope, and you can watch the perched on the top shelf videos from the podcast, and you can see exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, so, you know, you're trying to get on an app. If, if Discovery's kind of like, hey, you know, you got to tone this down. Now you got to talk to your locker room again and tell them about what they have to do. You know, and then you're going to get unhappy people in the locker room who they're going to have to go to somebody, talent relations, HR, whoever, you know, voice themselves. Because us as fans, yeah, we can be discouraged, but what about the talent? They're going to be, you know, some are going to be just as discouraged. Like Max Castor, being offensive is like 
most of his <laughs> character. MJF, that's his whole character. Is right. being, you know, like, I guess when he comes back, if AEW tones things down, I guess maybe we'll see, like, what a WWE version of MJF would be. If He's you think about some- it. Right. And then you also run into like a lot of the guys that are in the company that did work for WWE before that are probably thinking, well, oh shit, here we go again. Like I can't actually be myself. Like I was told I was going to be able to be when I signed this contract. And this is all just like being in WWE all over again. There's got to be a couple guys that are at least thinking a, a little bit about that. Well, and this is, and I, I think the ones that are going to be more upset by that are going to be the ones that have in their contract having creative control of their character right. which i believe from my understanding was there's there's quite a bit yeah i could i could see someone like a john moxley eventually getting upset over that yeah and a punk yep you know well, and you know you know punk punk's gonna go off script whether he's told he's allowed to or not yeah we know that now <laughs> <laughs> i mean we also know he's willing to leave at any point too yeah We've he's like shit triple h is running wwe now and not vince i can bury the hatchet with him guys i'm coming back yeah you know what how you doing (laughs) i don't think can you you, uh can you pay me to can you pay me to lose again please i guess the checks from marvel weren't cutting it right in them thor comics Ooh. Ooh. Too soon, brother. I, I, I'm a CM Punk fan. And, you know, ladies and gentlemen, if you're an action figure collector, uh, you might get something out of a bonus video at youtube.com slash perched on the top rope from unboxing videos. Ooh. I have a couple of boxes sitting beside me that after this podcast, Justin, Alex, and myself are going to find out what's in the box. So you can go watch those videos at youtube.com slash perch on the top rope. Speaking of that, just a quick little plug for me. Uh, as soon as I get my new generation WWE Mattel ring and the macho man that comes along with it, I will be doing an unboxing of that for the channel. Yes, brother. I can't wait to see it. I really can because the light up stuff is what gets me and that ring is... It's just too... Sweet. Looks fucking amazing. I'll I'll say that, man. There's your too sweet, Justin. Yeah, fuck you. And speaking of things being too sweet, Justin, why don't you go ahead and tell the fans where they can catch all your vlogging from all the wrestling events you go to, because you are the perch correspondent, and you can let fans know uh, where you're going to be going and what's coming up soon for you. Okay. Yes. So. I do have a YouTube channel now. We are just getting it off the ground. Right now, it is in Justin We Trust. At the moment, I am currently editing the WrestleMania vlog videos from this year in Dallas, where I believe I have three done so far, so I need two more to go. And eventually, I'll get the rest of the shit up. But the next planned video, Lee will be joining me for AEW Dynamite at the MVP Arena in Albany, New York for the first time ever which is exciting. I'll also be, Lee won't be there, but I will be there at uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium, AEW Grand Slam as well. Lee will be rejoining me for Bound for Glory and Impact in October. 
but that week doesn't end for me because I'll be at, at Raw in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center, October 8th, following Raw in Albany, November 21st, and Survivor Series at the TD Garden in Boston the following Saturday. So no shortage of planned vlogs and events. Everyone come along for the ride because it's going to be the ultimate thrill ride. And we will be posting links to Justin's video in the comments of our YouTube videos. We are here to support. So go and check out our YouTube videos and we will start posting the links to Justin's vlog videos in the comments section. And while you're there, give us a like, a subscribe, and follow the channel. And you can find all that at youtube.com slash perched on the top rope. You can also find us anywhere and everywhere podcasts are found from Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Podbay, Red Circle. You name it, we're on there. It's perched on the top rope. And for all of those countries that have kept us on your chartable, especially a big thanks to Ireland, as we have been on for well over a year, I think we're going to be coming up on two years soon here, boys. Two years on our Ireland's Chartable. Thank you. We want to thank all of you who listen and support the channel. You can also find us on Twitch, where Alex has been doing some fun stuff, getting some fun videos ready, getting ready for some fun video games, wrestling-related and non-wrestling-related alike. We will also be doing some live videos as on our 100th episode, we went live on Twitch. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, uh, we played Jeopardy. Alex, our host, of course, did a fantastic job. The visuals were fantastic. He's also our video editor for YouTube. You can check that out on Twitch. We are perched on the top rope. You'll actually have to check out the perched video on our YouTube channel for now, though, because... Twitch decided to be a bunch of assholes and suspend us for a week because a bot accidentally got into the chat. They did sadly take that video down, but it is on our YouTube page. So you can go and check out the whole video on youtube.com slash perched on the top rope. So you can catch Alex streaming video games on Twitch. It's perched on the top rope. You can also check us out on Facebook. It is perched on the top rope. You can check us out on Twitter at Perch Top Rope, Instagram, where it's nothing but hilarious memes because it is photo based. It is perched on the Top Rope podcast. Now, if hilarious memes up you, aren't up your alley, you can check us out on TikTok at Perched on the Top Rope, where we have great Selena scenes where we take the Titanic music, My Heart Will Go On, and put it to the greatest wrestling moments in history which includes WrestleMania 32 when Zack Ryder won the Intercontinental Championship. You cannot tell me otherwise, because that was the greatest moment in wrestling history. And of Lee's life. Yes, literally, it was. I was driving to Long Island while my phone, my phone was propped so I could watch the match. I'm not promoting unsafe driving, but I'm just saying that's how I had to watch it. Anyway, if none of that's up your alley, and you're a fan of the Taskmaster, WCW's Kevin Sullivan... Or even if you're not a fan and you still have that conspiracy theory that he's the one who killed Nancy, Chris, and the son, uh, you can watch him get humped by a dog. I'm very serious. Kevin Sullivan getting humped by a dog. It's TikTok perched on the top rope. And if none of that 
gives you a fancy. Well then, ladies and gentlemen, spoiler freeze, the way to be. We're out.